today on It's Time. That's the problem. And so we have to have the mind of Christ if we're truly going to be followers of Christ. I hear the calling. It's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of 2 Timothy. So, turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. Therefore, again, always remember, he's given us not the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. A sound mind means you can rationally put things in their proper place. In other words, though this person has rejected me, Jesus and my family in Christ has not rejected me. You know, there's an old saying, stinking thinking. You get into stinking thinking, friends, that messes you up big time. Because pretty soon we begin to either think we're the reason for the season or nobody loves me, everybody hates me, guess I'll go eat worms. That's the problem. And so we have to have the mind of Christ if we're truly going to be followers of Christ. How do I get the mind of Christ? By reading his word, by staying in fellowship and praying, God, keep my, keep my, my affections, your affections. Therefore, verse 8, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose and grace which was given to us in Jesus Christ before all time literally began in the original Greek. It's it's literally, God has already figured all this out. Now, no, he says, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me. Why? Paul was in prison. You know, we like to associate ourselves with the rich and famous, with the stars. You ever seen and been around people who are name droppers? Oh, I know this person, and I know that person. Now, they really don't maybe even know him at all. But they had maybe bumped into him on a, on, a, on a bus or something. I don't know. But for some reason, if you talk to them, it seems like they're their best friend. They're name droppers. You've got to be careful of that. They tr- create an illusion that we're something that we're not. Well, always remember, it doesn't matter What person you know, it's your relationship with God that's important. Because once you have that down, you'll value a person that's been saved today, and maybe not so good looking, as much as the best looking person that's been saved 10, 20, 30 years. Why is that? Well, because we like to associate with the popular crowd. I want to be Gucci. Well, part of the way we all are, and Paul warns about that. James warns about it too. He says, if somebody comes into your church dressed in uh, nice clothes and drives up in his Americanus Maximus with tinted glass and Erico, you say, well, you said up here. 
But if somebody comes in, Paul says, with vile raiment, or James says, with vile raiment, you say, sit in the back back here where nobody has to look at you. Paul, James says, haven't you shown partiality? That's not the way God works. So he says, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or me. Why? Because I'm in a stinking, rotten prison. You know, it's interesting to me that Paul, writing basically his own epitaph right now, he's, he's writing what's most important to him to a young minister that actually in probably Paul's mind was to take his place. He says, God's got it all figured out before time began. So, Timothy, you just walk in faith and do what God's called you to do. Notice verse 10, it says, But has now revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. What does a person that's facing a death sentence need more than anything? Life. You know, if you go up and ever asked to go up and see somebody on their deathbed, as I have done many times. I know some of you have as well. They tell you, the doctor says, there's no chance of them living. They're done. And you go in and talk to them. You know, how sad to just look there and say, you're really great, man. No, it's nice to have a message to tell somebody that's dying, like a message of life. You don't realize how bad you need life until you're faced with death, whether it's your own or somebody else's. So he said that he brings the message of the gospel. Again, immortality. By the way, since the Bible says we're all going to die, we came into this world as we studied Timothy uh, last week. We came into this world with nothing. We leave with nothing. There's no uh, U-Hauls following hearses. What manner of people should we be? Well, I think that's a pretty good question. And because of that, where is our value system? And again, since we're all going to die, and if you're a Christian, you have nothing to worry about because your sins are forgiven. Now, again, not because you're good, but because the Bible says we put on his righteousness. I I need to be saved. I need to be forgiven. I put on his righteousness. His robe of righteousness is what makes me right with God. Not because I am good. I don't go to heaven because I'm good. I go to heaven because he's good. Okay? That's why the real difference between religion and Christianity Real Christianity, I'm not talking about social club Christianity, I'm talking about real Christianity, why it's different. You talk to a person outside of real Christianity. If you died today, would you go to heaven? They'll say, I've done the best I can. Well, if you get to heaven and your best wasn't good enough, now what you're going to do? Well, the Bible tells us we go to heaven because He is good, and our righteousness is drawn from him. In other words, we have an empty bank account, but all of our checks now are written on Christ's eternal wealth. That's what allows our checks not to bounce. But if I'm writing my righteousness on my own checking account, and it is insufficient, I'm in trouble. That's why people outside of true Christianity, not social Christianity, but true Christianity, that's why the Bible says you 
can have the assurance of salvation. That's why if someone says, if you died today, you'd go to heaven, you go, yep. How is that? Because I don't go to heaven because I'm good. I go to heaven because he's good, and I am found in him. That's what it is. Big difference. Well, you might say that takes a load off of us, doesn't it? Because I can go now, I no longer have to be the performer of righteousness, but I can simply be in him who is righteous. And you say, what do you mean by be in him? Jesus said, if any man be in me, let him take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. That's what it's about. I just want to be about his business. So, so he says. He says, but now I've been revealed Hearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death, and again, that's what you want to get rid of, and brought life and immortality to light throughout the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until this day. What have you committed to Christ? I pray your life. Because someday we're going to die. You know, it's funny. I know a lot of times, and I find this in my own life. Do you trust God with your eternity? Yes. Do you, when you die your li- and you breathe your last, you know you're going to be in heaven? Yes. Okay, I got that. Okay, all right. But then God presents things through the day and through the week that challenge my faith. And it's funny that I have found sometimes I can trust God with my eternity, but God, will you come through with me and come through for me tomorrow? Whatever issue that might be. I'm funny. It's funny sometimes how we realize sometimes we're, we think we're spiritual giants and then God gives us some trials and we go, you know, I'm not doing so good here. Well, that's what God does. But he does that so we will understand how to trust him. So he says, hold fast to the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith, in love, which are in Christ Jesus. Everything, he's the source of everything, friends. That's what you want. The source, and by the way, you always got to go to your source. Whatever makes, whatever, wherever you go. I'm really amazed where people's source are. Sometimes it's to their, their baggie or their bong or their six pack or their friends or the popular opinion of the day or the words and the songs and the lyrics on the radio there's a everybody has a source for their life well that's what the bible says here we have a source for ours as he says which are in christ jesus he says that good thing which was committed to me keep by the holy spirit who dwells in us and by the way that's how it's done I can't be good on my own. Haven't you ever looked at your kids and say, now can't you kids be good? No. Why is that? Because the Bible said it's not within man to live righteously. You want to know why man is the way it is? You want to know why your 6 o'clock news looks like the 6 o'clock news? Even the 6 o'clock junk news? It's because man is not capable of living righteously. Don't expect too much out of your kids. Because it's only God that keeps us. That's the good. He's our source. And if he's not your source today, a couple of questions. What is? And you'll find that your source will, 
mandate integrity. Jesus said it like this. Wherever a person's heart is, that's where their treasure will be also. I just want you to consider that because, again, we have to always, I believe, as Christians growing in the Lord, uh, take inventory of our relationship with God in regards where, where I'm going in, in regards to where I've been. And again, we've talked about New Year's resolutions. It's now February. I don't know how many resolutions are still vaguely standing in our lives. And I always think it's so funny because the advertising world knows this about people. And, and uh, they study people. And they know about the first of the year. Uh, there's going to be a real uh, New Year's resolution. I'm going to go work out. And I'm going to get great big bulk muscles. And so TV commercials are inundated by uh, bow flexes and wiggle masters and, uh, they, uh, you know, fat blasters. I mean, they got all kinds of stuff out there that they're trying to sell people because they know it's the time of the year when people are trying to do something. People buy these things. And if you ever notice, if you ever notice this, I don't care if you go to secondhand stores, yard sales, swap meets, generally speaking, the flab masters, the, the, all those things that are out there, when you see them in there for sale, they look new. Why? They were never used. I used them every day in my head, but I never touched them. Why is that? Because we have an image of ourselves that we want to be versus in who we are. <laughs> and, uh, and sometimes nary the two ever meet. Why is that? Well, because the flesh is weak. Oh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so this is why we find the disconnect. Well, again, the pattern of where we go for what we are, that's your source. Now, the Bible says bodily exercise profits little. Uh, uh, it, it doesn't mean it doesn't profit at all. It's not bad to get your cardio up and do those kinds of things. I think it's a very good thing. But it's unfortunate that more people will even, in though in their, in their uh, uh, deteriorated state, will try to spend more time making their body work right than their heart work right. And you can have the most strong, beautiful body in the world and still want to kill yourself. Why is that? Well, because something's sick inside, see. That's what God does. He, he addresses the heart. So notice he says, that we want to keep the good thing which was committed to you and keep the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. That's what keeps us from getting into trouble. And this you know, and this is a sad verse here. You know, I, I, I oftentimes, when we read the Bible, you know, we read about how, you know, whatever I ask, God will do, and all these things. These are some sad verses, and let's look at this, because I think we need to be honest in our relationship with God. Notice he says, this you know, that all those in Asia, now this is weird, he uses the word all here. That means like a lot, okay? All those in Asia, and again, this is difficult to read. All those in Asia have turned away from me among whom are Phagilius and Hermogenes. He wasn't popular anymore. 
He wasn't on the cover of Christianity Today. Nobody wanted to hang out with him. Nobody from the magazines were trying to interview him. Why? Because he was in prison. You know, I look at Paul, who we read so much of his letters in the New Testament. Probably a third of the New Testament was penned by Paul. And yet, as we read this, he's in prison. And basically, other than Luke and Omniforus, basically dies alone. Isn't that weird? So being a Christian doesn't make you popular with people, but it makes you popular with God. And that's where our reward is at. Notice two guys here. The only thing we know about them is they were used as an example of what not to be. That's a bad thing in the Bible. He says that everybody had turned away from him. How many thousands of people did Paul know? And yet he dies alone. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Omniphorus, for he has often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Verse 17, but when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found him. By the way, what that means is he went and went to where the prisons were and where the dungeons were. Paul, are you down there? Yeah, I'm here. It says he diligently sought him out. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he administered to me in Ephesus. He lists his friends. He lists those that abandoned him, and he lists those who were his friends. Friends, being a Christian does not make you number one popular. But being a Christian makes you number one popular with God. Always remember that. It isn't what others think of you. It's what God thinks of you. It isn't whether you have this gift inside of you and you walk up and say, hey, can I pray for you? And they say yes, or they say no. You're doing what God called you to do. Stirring up the gift that's in you. That's not something somebody else does. That's a choice that we make. Going back to those verb words, that's something that I've got to choose. I can let my Christianity set within me, or I can say, God, I want to do what you've given me. I want to use it to your maximum. And by the way, a little bit of a promise. It says what you have, if you've been faithful with it, God will give you more. If you've been unfaithful with it, God will take away what you have. I I don't want to lose the boldness of God. You know, like again, sometimes if you, some people, well, I don't know if that's God or the devil telling me that. I can guarantee you it ain't the devil telling you to go up and pray for somebody. The devil don't want anybody to pray for anybody. So if you feel that unction, I would probably say with a guarantee that that is something God is initiating you to do. And you never know why. You never know why. You don't know what that person's going through. They might say, well, God, if you really love me, where are you? And then you come along with an unction saying, ah, can I pray for you? And they break into tears. Why? Because you are the answer to their prayer. You see, God communicates to us and with us a lot more sometimes than we think. That's one of the things about being a Christian. Now, if you're not a Christian, that puts us in a different place, doesn't it? Because the Bible says we're at enmity with God. That means we're an enemy of God. Why is that? Because we're still trying to do our own thing. And if, I always tell people this, 
if you haven't lived long enough to know that living your life your way hasn't brought you the satisfaction and the peace in your soul that you know is real and out there someplace, it's time to change. Why is that? Because we know that our lives have been given to us. What am I doing with it? And, 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 I, and, and, and when we realize that, you know, God, you put me on this earth for a purpose. No one's ever been like you ever before. No one's ever been like you ever will ever be again. You are unique in your time, in your place. Why? Because that's the way God made you. Haven't you ever noticed how we all have two eyes, a nose, a mouth, and ears, and yet we all look different? How does God do that? You ever look at ants? They all look the same. But God made all of us different. And why is that? Because he's got a different calling for every one of us. All I would ask you to do today, first of all, if you're a Christian, stir up the gift God's given you. You say, well, Mike, I don't know what the gift is. Well, maybe not. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, the greatest gift is love. So start there. Start with love, stirring that up within you. God, give me a heart for people around me. You know, this is the week of Valentine. And, you know, one of the things about that is that we think about our sweetheart. Well, maybe start there. Good place to start. I believe we get more of whatever we nurture. Isn't that truth? Uh, We uh, reap what we sow. If we sow meanness, we reap meanness. If you sow love, you're going to reap love. And let that start. Say, Lord, stir up that gift of love that you would have as you had towards me that I would have towards others and see where it goes. See what God will do. If you're not a Christian this morning, we're going to pray. And you can tell God, I've had enough. I've lived it my way. I don't want to live that way anymore. I want my life at the end of my life to mean something. I don't want it just to say rest in peace, but I want it to say, well done, good and faithful servant. This morning, we're going to pray. If you've never repented, and that means turn away from the foolish pursuits that lead to nothing, and now accept Christ and say, okay, God, from now on, I want to be about your business. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. This morning, I commit my life to you. I want my life to mean something. Today and the rest of my life and in eternity. So I repent of the foolish way I've lived. And so from this day forward, I accept you as my Savior. Clothe me with your righteousness. As I believe you died on the cross for me. Your blood covered my sins. You made the sacrifice. Now I just want to be found in you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me, God, to be what you want me to be in Jesus' name. And from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike 
and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship. Thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. 